Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Monday. It is the 17th of July. This is Here First on IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. A ban on most abortions in Iowa is in effect today. The ban has been in effect since about 2.45 on Friday afternoon. That's when Governor Kim Reynolds signed the bill that bans abortions after cardiac activity can be detected, which is around the sixth week of a pregnancy. Reynolds signed the bill from the stage of the Family Leadership Summit. That's a gathering of about 2,000 evangelical Christians in Des Moines. The law includes exceptions for certain medical conditions. Rape victims who become pregnant will have to prove they notified police or a health care provider within 45 days of the attack, or they will not be allowed to have an abortion in Iowa. Incest victims will have to have notified a doctor or police within 140 days of the attack that led to their pregnancy. A Polk County District Court judge has indicated he will issue a ruling perhaps as early as today on whether the law can be enforced while the lawsuit challenging the abortion ban makes its way through the state court system. In nearby Indiana, the state is on track to ban abortions starting next month after a state Supreme Court decision. Side Effects Public Media's Morgan Watkins reports this will have ripple effects that people in other states in the region will feel soon. Last year, more than 1,800 people came from out of state to get an abortion in Indiana. The majority came from two states, Kentucky, where abortion is banned, and Ohio, where there is an injunction blocking a law that would ban most abortions. Allison Dreeth is with the Midwest Access Coalition. She says the Indiana ruling is going to affect people beyond the state. Particularly folks living in the South who have made Indiana, of all places, a destination to receive abortion care. She says even in states where abortion is legal, like Illinois and Michigan, some people can't get an abortion there because clinics are booked and wait times are long. Her organization helped some of them come to Indiana for care. She says Indiana's abortion ban will increase the stress on the abortion safety net. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said Saturday he would consider Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds as a potential running mate should he win the Republican 2024 presidential nomination. He also dismissed former President Donald Trump's recent complaints about her as totally out of hand. Trump last week criticized Reynolds for her seemingly cozy relationship with DeSantis while stating her public neutrality as the lead Republican figure in the state that hosts the leadoff presidential caucuses in less than six months. For the first time ever, the U.S. Department of Agriculture gave two companies the green light last month to produce and sell their lab-grown chicken meat across the country. But as Harvest Public Media's Excret Nunez explains, it could still take years before people can buy cultivated meat at grocery stores. Cultivated meat is expensive to make, and labs aren't able to produce the billions of pounds of meat Americans consume every year. So the recently approved companies, Upside Foods and Good Meat, only plan to serve the new food in exclusive restaurants. Upside Foods Chief Operating Officer Amy Chen says there's still a long road ahead to make the company's cultivated chicken products affordable and available. As we launch, we will be at a premium. But over time, as we continue to scale, as we build out the supply chain and operate at larger scales, our costs will come down. And I think that will then allow more consumers to have access to products. She says getting people familiarized with cultivated meat is another long-term goal. 
And recent rains have given some hope that Iowa will pull out of the drought conditions that weren't helped by a drier-than-normal spring. DNR hydrologist Tim Hall says some areas saw several inches of rain in a short time, which he says is good, even if a lot of it ran off the ground without sinking in. The recent rain should show up in this week's drought monitor. This is Here First. Can we heal the environment? In Kansas, we're working on it. Up From Dust is a podcast about how humans reshaped the world to fit urban landscapes and agricultural needs. We'll meet the people who are rolling up their sleeves to find more sustainable ways forward. Listen to Up From Dust from KCUR, part of the NPR Network. The Farm Bill is up for renewal this year. It includes the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, and that's almost always a partisan battle. But Congress already delved into the Food Benefits Program earlier this summer as part of the debt ceiling agreement. Republicans pushed hard to expand work requirements for those who get SNAP. It was a move the state of Kansas already had made. Harvest Public Media's Eva Tesfai reports on how the tougher requirements in Kansas shed light on the way stricter rules could play out nationwide. The SNAP program is expensive, estimated to cost more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. So lawmakers have often looked for ways to trim spending. Currently, to be on SNAP, you have to prove that you're working at least 20 hours a week if you're an able-bodied adult without dependents and if you're under the age of 50. Now the federal government has raised that age limit to 55 as part of the debt ceiling negotiations. Don Bacon is a Republican representative from Nebraska and on the House Agriculture Committee. He says that the tightening of work requirements was necessary. Our goal is to help people become independent and making it easy to be dependent on others is not a a right policy position. We need workers. Our economy is dependent upon it. Republicans in Kansas wholeheartedly agree. In fact, earlier this year, the state of Kansas passed its own legislation to raise the working age for SNAP recipients even higher, up to age 59. It's about getting people working, said Kansas Senator Beverly Gossage during the session where lawmakers overrode the governor's veto in April. In order to buy food, you need to have a job. That's what this is all about. That move came just a year after Kansas lawmakers increased the number of hours people have to work to receive SNAP. Otherwise, they have to participate in a job training program. According to the latest data from the Kansas Department of Children and Families, there's been nearly a 6% drop in enrollment for SNAP since then, among those the rule applies to. Haley Kotler is with Kansas Appleseed an advocacy organization that works on food access issues. She says the state is already near the bottom nationally for access to SNAP. Kansas lawmakers have really disintegrated the safety net for a whole lot of people because they are putting more um, hoops that folks would need to jump through to receive SNAP. Kotler says all the requirements discourage people from even applying for help, even if they're eligible. At the Franklin Center Food Pantry in Kansas City, Kansas, cars drive up while volunteers toss fresh food into the trunks. At 75 and and, uh, limited income, this is help for me. DJ, a Kansas resident who declined to give her full name, is picking up food for her grandchildren. Though the work requirements would not apply to her, she says that she hasn't even tried applying for SNAP because she's seen how difficult and confusing the process is. They ask too many questions for you needing assistance. If you've got so much, a car or all of this, then it's limited. But with these food banks, everybody pretty much gets the same thing. 
And research shows work requirements lead to lower enrollment in SNAP, yet have no effect on employment. Jonathan Coppis is the director of the Gardner Agriculture Policy Program at the University of Illinois. Most of the research I have seen shows that, that work requirements do not really help in terms of helping people get jobs. It doesn't really improve anybody's existence. Really all it comes down to is it's more paperwork. And Coppice points out fewer people on SNAP costs less money. But the debt ceiling negotiation over SNAP may not have reduced the program's costs. The Congressional Budget Office estimated that the federal changes would actually increase SNAP enrollment and spending. Because of the exemptions Democrats negotiated for veterans, people without housing, and people who recently aged out of foster care. With that financial reality, some Republicans want to reopen SNAP work requirement negotiations in the Farm Bill. Congressman Bacon says he'd rather not. I feel like that should be off the table, by and large. Now, there's other issues with SNAP that could still be tripping us up, you know, so we're not totally out of the woods. But I think the hardest issue, I believe, has already been dealt with. SNAP has stalled farm bills in the past, and this year, both Republicans and Democrats say negotiations are already behind schedule. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Eva Tesfai. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms across the Great Plains and Midwest, including IPR News, reporting on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. This is here first from IPR News. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform so you can listen every weekday morning. I'm Clay Masters. Clay Masters.